Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Stephen Caradini. And I'm Chris Kreitcho. And today we're going to be talking about experimental evidence of massive-scale emotional contagion through social networks, which sounds kind of like it's something that's going to kill us all, but it's actually the official name of the now-infamous uh, Facebook emotion manipulation study. Um, so we're going to talk about this from a variety of angles, um, whether this is truly unethical, um, moderately unethical, pretty much ethical, or they're saints. <laughs> so uh, we'll also talk about um, end user license agreements and democracy and a variety of things that all come into play when you start talking about Facebook. But First, we'll have to start off with a small recap, just in case you've been living under a rock or you don't have social media. Uh, so Facebook researchers decided that because they have access to large numbers of people um, who have all given their consent um, through an end user license agreement to be experimented upon, um, that they would conduct an experiment because this is legally possible because users have said, sure, I want to use your service, you can use my data. So they changed some of the posts. Now, changed is slightly misinterpreted and slightly um, ambiguous. Um, <clears throat> what they did was they used an experimental method to filter through an algorithm certain words that they counted as positive or negative and show them slightly more or slightly less on Facebook feeds to see how people would respond with their own comments, to see if they would respond with um, more positive things or less positive things. And these were all posts, now, it's worth noted, that were already on Facebook. This was things that your friends were already posting. Facebook's tuning your algorithm all the time to try and show you things you will find interesting rather than the massive flood of information from the 437 or 992 or however many ridiculously high number of friends you have, or even just the 14 who post cat pictures all the time. Right. So they weren't so, changing the content of people's posts. They yes, were just they were showing not... you some people's posts instead of other people's posts or showing you only the happy posts or showing you a few more sad posts to see how you responded. Right. Uh, they were not inserting sad news. They were not putting extra pictures of kittens, although I would have appreciated <laughs> that. Um, they were simply tweaking their own algorithm that they already use to see, hey, can we make it so that people um, are happier or sadder for the end purpose of figuring out if this actually even matters to people? And the answer like, was, well, yes. Really kind well, kind of. in a really, in a, in really a statistically tiny way. significant but very small way. And yes. of course, some of there was lots of outrage across the whole internet because Facebook is manipulating my emotions. And well, as is often the case with studies in the social sciences, no one actually or, read it. Right. No, no one read it at all. <laughs> and the actual results were, as I said, statistically significant, but very, very, very small. Yeah. We're talking like. 0.1%, 0.2%, you know, these, I mean, one of their findings was less than 0.1 of a percent, like, and we're talking like less than 0.1% of, you know, of their findings over uh, 
the N of 689,003. It's a lot of people. So, like, it's a lot of people, and they found that, you know... There's they've a got small Cohen's, measurable effect. Yeah, they got Cohen's Kappa numbers in here. They got, you know, all sorts of things. This is a scientific study um, based on, you know, the data and the, you know, user base that they have. So, given that I'm an academic at a uh, D1 research school um, and that um, I work in social sciences, um, of which this would be counted, um, I was interested in this um, because, A, social sciences never get this much press, <laughs> um, and B, these researchers did literally nothing legally wrong right zero zero wrong things were done in this like if you're talking just straight up like you know research legality research protocol all of this is above board 100 percent. however in Legal the long view of and ethical yeah. well sometimes those aren't exactly the same and right how people respond when you do these kinds of things also makes a big difference to right. it when it comes out that Facebook has been experimenting on me, or at least maybe me. I mean, there are a half billion people on Facebook or something like now that now. So right. the likelihood that it was you or me is relatively small. It's but literally about one in a million. Right. The the sense that they could have been experimenting on me, that they could be manipulating me, freaked a lot of people out. And my gut reaction was, ugh, Facebook, again. And the reason was not because it was illegal. I had no doubt at all that Facebook dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's and made sure everything was legal, but because it's so painfully unaware of the message it sends. I mean, right down to that title. Stephen and I were laughing before we started recording, and, well, a little bit of even a minute ago after we started recording. Social contagion. Uh, emotional just, contagion. Uh, Massive scale emotional contagion. Right. And what they mean is... Gosh, that is, sounds like a B-movie. <laughs> and what they mean is we saw a small but significant, in a statistical sense effect of varying the inputs to people's news feeds in terms of what they posted in response um, over a large number of people. Okay, well, that's yeah. relatively interesting, but it makes a lot fewer headlines. It also, you know, is not so big a deal if you realize that 0.1% variation in what people respond is a lot smaller than massive hit emotional contagion <laughs> which yeah sounds like the title of a b movie and for me yeah. the question was not so much the issue of whether they legally answered the question of informed consent which or or even didn't need to in some cases and we'll link to an article that points this out in some cases where you're measuring these kinds of things you want a kind of general consent but not a specific informed consent because you want to be able to test without people knowing that you're testing specifically on them because otherwise the results you get are biased. And and this is a tricky area. And the advent of large-scale social media context is actually one of the first times scientists have been able to measure these kinds of things. So there's a lot of interesting good here. For me, I was looking at it saying, yeah, you dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's, I'm sure. However, there is a reason nonetheless, and not 
not just the ridiculous title upon which everyone leaped with such a fury. There's a reason that people reacted badly to this, and that is the sense that I am being experimented on is an unpleasant sense, especially when you don't realize that you've given Facebook permission for that. And technically, we're all legally responsible anytime we join a service to read their end user license agreement. Well, let's be honest. No one does. No one does, because there are <laughs> dozens of pages of all caps legalese that are impossible to understand without legal training for the most part. I love apps right. that say, here's a human readable summary of our EULA, which is what I'm going to call yeah. it from now on because saying EULA every time is not going to work for me. Our All EULAs, right. EULAs are, they are readable. Oh, that's wonderful. Now I actually have some idea what I'm agreeing to you to do with my data. Facebook has always been terrible about theirs and they don't seem to want to improve because they seem to be able to be happy being able to get away doing whatever they want with your data and I think that's part of what rubs people the wrong way. It's part of what rubs me the wrong way. Facebook has never shown any particular interest in having human-friendly EULAs. Well, before we jump into EULAs, I have a different. I had a very different reaction to uh, this whole thing, which was, "Oh, hey, they're just putting in paper form what they've been doing to us for the past <laughs> there ten, is that, ten yes. years." Like this, like all of social networks, all of them permanently are an algorithmic tweak. Like, you being able to see the people that you want to see and not the people that you don't want to see, even if you press a button to make it so, is still an algorithmic tweak. So, like, when we say that, you know, they were tweaking their algorithm, it means we were doing what we do on Tuesdays. Right. Like, this is, this is not a big deal at all. And if we want Facebook to be a simulacra of life, that's that's just an unrealistic expectation. Facebook is a fake environment organized by people who want you to feel the best about their thing. So that you so keep that, using it. Yeah. And so to this end, they said, we found out that, you know, sad things make people sad. Happy things make people happy. And I hope somewhere in uh, Facebook algorithm land, someone's like, all right. Start filtering out those angry posts, <laughs> not not now, putting those angry posts. Now, the flip side of that is that your statement is true of Facebook, but it's not necessarily true of all social media. Uh, the difference being who controls the algorithm is enormously important. And that's one massive difference between Twitter's model, at least historically. We'll see what they do in the next five years and Facebook's model. Uh Facebook is yeah. filtering for you. In Twitter, you're making those choices. If In Twitter, you yeah. can see everything in your stream, and you will see everything in your stream. Now, that's not necessarily to say one is better than the other, but there is a distinction to be made and to be maintained in who is maintaining those algorithmic decisions. Yeah. And, and the difference yeah, also like... being, it's as though Twitter said, okay, I'm only going to show you some of your friends' posts. Now, again, that's just clarifying who's doing what and who isn't doing what. Yeah, it's like because saying Facebook that does you... this all the time, no matter what. It's just that this time they published it and they're trying to use it for a social good called science rather than just right. using it for their internal good called capitalism, which is totally fine yeah. for the record. That's but the see, distinction for, being made here. For me, it's it's more like roads. So when I lived in, in Norman um, and I drove to Oklahoma City for work, there were three ways I could go. 
I could go on I-35 um, and I could just subject myself to whether traffic was bad or not. <laughs> or I could go on Sooner Road um, and just hit all the stoplights, but I knew there wouldn't be traffic. Or I could go Highway 9 where I could drive as fast as I wanted the entire time, but it would just take forever because Highway 9 doesn't get there very quickly. <laughs> so, you know, when you're going on Facebook, you're kind of taking I-35. Everyone's going to be there. You have no idea what's going to happen. There might be nothing new. There might be a bunch of stuff new. It's it's but it is the straightest shot. It's the quickest in in aggregate. Um, you know, one day you might be there for an hour, another day you might be there for a half hour. So Facebook itself, if you're putting it against other social media, in my opinion, is what it is. Like I understand that when I walk into Facebook, I'm walking into an environment that A, I'm not in control of. Right. B it's curated. is it's curated by an algorithm. Um C it's there specifically to sell me ads. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. And D, it's not real life. Like, there are plenty of ways that you can look like you're having a great time in your life and not be <laughs> having a great time in your life. Controversially, which is, this is kind of more interesting, you can make it look like you're having a really bad time in your life when you're actually not. These are things that people do. Mm -hmm. They would need lots of studies to figure out why they do them. <laughs> but they do them. Yeah, whenever I read crappy Facebook posts about how everything is awful, I don't believe them. Neither do I believe when everyone says that their life is going amazingly. That's just not the function of Facebook. It's kind of like a Christmas letter. Does anyone put in their Christmas letter, we are doing terribly, we hope that you don't come visit us? No. <laughs> <laughs> they never do that. That's not the point of a Christmas letter. Right. Um, and so, so part of the trick is understanding what Facebook is and what it's actually doing. I think yes. one of the tensions there is how Facebook represents itself versus what Facebook actually is, because you just outlined perfectly right. what Facebook actually is. But that's not really what Facebook represents itself as doing. Facebook represents itself as connecting you, really connecting you in all the real significant ways that it you just pointed out that it's not actually doing to all those oh, people. Oh, man, that you, you know. mean it puts on so makeup that... like half of the world? Right. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> this is horrible. Uh, so from a user perspective, okay, take a step back, look at the marketing and say, yeah, that's marketing. That's not yeah. actually true. And, yeah. and that's something we're all responsible to do with whatever products we're using. Social media yeah. is still relatively new for us in a lot of ways. And yeah, 10, there's still a learning, years. right. There's still a big learning curve going on with that. Yeah. And I mean, I think there is definitely um, some difference between like, you know, people who just post pictures of their babies so that their distant relatives can see pictures of babies. <laughs> like there's a difference there between, you know, this is sp one specific reason that I use this. I only have Facebook so that it is basically a photo aggregator. Mm -hmm. Um and there's a difference between, you know, running your whole emotional life via Facebook, which is also <laughs> something that people do. So I, I understand if you're running your whole uh, emotional life through Facebook, this would be very upsetting. However, if you're running your whole emotional life through Facebook, you're also upsetting to me problems. because <laughs> there are larger problems. We have and, – and yes, like I don't want to make light of this. Like it is very easy to get sucked into Facebook. Um, it's very easy to get sucked into any social media but the thing that I took away from this was, wow, we don't have a very good perspective on the Internet. Um, and perhaps it's because my job is to have a perspective on the Internet <laughs> as a researcher. Um, but we just don't have a very good perspective on the Internet if 
we are really seeing this as like a one-to-one perfect simulacra of how relationships work. Um, you know, even even things like Skype are not perfect, you know, uh, simulations of interaction. I mean, they, they are mediated in a very specific way. There are very specific conventions that you do when you're Skyping that you don't do when you're in person. And so right. even though that's more real, um, if we're going to get into realness, <laughs> even though that's more real than Facebook, um, it's still not a real person-to-person interaction. And that's not a bad thing. It's not. But we have to be aware that this is not what it is. And right. Mediation is is. changes communication fundamentally. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. true 120 years ago when everyone was just writing letters because or sending yep. the occasional telegram. The, yep. the form in which communication is mediated, and this goes right down if you want to get what into up, McLuhan? some really— Yeah. Hey— <laughs> If you want to get right down to some really interesting neuropsychology and linguistic psychology, this goes right down to the very language we use. To speak yeah. to someone in English is different than to speak to someone in Spanish or Chinese or Farsi. These are fundamentals about human reality, but we need to be a lot more thoughtful about how the things we're using affect us when it comes to you know, social media. Now, the flip side of that mm-hmm. is I do think there's a sense in which Facebook is responsible. And so there I want to push back in that direction because mm-hmm. it's true as users, we have a responsibility to be thoughtful about the real consequences and the real nature of the things we're using versus the promises. Yeah. They make. But I think companies also, you know, if you're Facebook or if you're Twitter or if you're the much beleaguered and slowly dying app.net or you're the very successful but overall ignored in the tech world Pinstagram. That's the wrong whoa, thing. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. This Pinterest. There we go. Pinstagram yeah, there would you be go. an Perfect. awesome mashup. <laughs> Perfect example of how tech people just don't do Pinterest. Pinstagram. Pinstagram. A, I, I want to see that mashed up now. Uh, oh my someone gosh. someone build Ridiculous. an API that takes Instagram things and posts them to Pinterest. I'm sure someone oh, already that... has. I don't I don't think Pinterest needs that. <laughs> uh, but it, in in any of those contexts there's also a responsibility on the part of the company making these promises to make the right promises and to communicate a bit more clearly and you know this runs up against a lot of how we generally as Americans tend to think about businesses I think. You know, we tend to think that you can sort of market however you want as long as you can finally sell your product in the end but in a winning slowly sense i just don't buy that i think you want to sell the good things of your product by all means but you should also be telling people accurately the good things of your product and this is a hard it's a hard thing to do facebook should you know not promise too much as it were uh, no one should promise too much and that's a hard thing because you want to say I can bring you the world of sociality and I'm so good for you as a product well I mean there's also a difference between like you know their their play is that they can connect the world right. exactly they do that right. that's a literal thing they do they connect it it's that we as humans as Americans infill what connecting means right like right. so 
they don't even have to, you know, get into the nitty gritties of what connecting means. They just connect people. They right. literally do that. So I think that, again, people need to be aware of what their own expectations are and how these softwares actually fill them. Because oh, definitely. If, face, if Facebook but, uh, said, but if Facebook said, like, we will be able to replace your human interactions or we will be able to um, maintain your like close friendships from very far distances, which is something that we imply and mm-hmm. maybe something that even Facebook implies, mm-hmm. but they've never written down in an ad as far as I know, could be wrong. Um, <laughs> but that's just not something that they do. The one thing that they have advertised hardcore that you can do is put your whole life on the internet by (laughs) by putting things into timeline which is exactly what you can do on facebook right no and i guess where i want to push is back in the general direction where we started more on the ethics of you know this particular so so we've wandered a bit but coming back to where we started the ethics of this particular thing i mean talking about companies responsibilities in advertising and marketing gets hairy and weird but Companies do have a responsibility in these kinds of areas to make sure that people understand what they're signing up for. So whether we want to talk about that in the context of a EULA or something else, you know, maybe Facebook doesn't need to be telling you, look, we don't really connect you, but they do need to say, look, here's how we really actually can and will use your data. And if you're not comfortable with that, please don't use us. You know, who wants to be honest and say that? But that's exactly what we're saying you should say. And yeah, no, I agree with that. Facebook has never been willing to do that. And that is, I think, why I and so many others are uncomfortable with Facebook's move here. It's not because A-B testing is bad or even because reporting on A-B testing rather than only using it internally is bad. I think that actually can be a good and fine thing. It's just that Facebook seems to be fundamentally trying to hide from users how it actually behaves. And it doesn't seem interested in that kind of openness and honesty of, look, this is what we're going to do with your data. And if you're not cool with that, we understand. Have a nice day. If you are cool with that, awesome. And that, I think, as a company, especially as one of the largest social media companies in the world, you have a responsibility. And it's very easy to let companies off the hook because, well, they're just chasing profits. Or in this case, well, they're just trying to do a social good. Well, that's nice. But your intentions of whatever sort, however good or noble or what have you, don't let you off the hook from behaving in a responsible way toward those who are going to use your product. And I don't think anyone, except perhaps a very few specialists who understood the legalese, knew that Facebook was likely to run this or, or even really could run this kind of experiment. It didn't surprise me, per se. But at the same time, I didn't expect it, in part because I've never parsed out every last detail of their EULA, not least because they keep changing it with more legalese. I mean, I've I've read their EULA once five or six years ago, yeah. start to finish, but they've changed it yeah. since then repeatedly. And, well, they say, here, you can review our privacy policy, et cetera, but not doing that in a way that users can actually get their heads around, that's a failure. And it's one, you know, I heartily affirm everything you've said about users needing to be aware of what these tools really are and so on. Yeah. But I also want to say that companies have a responsibility to behave in a way that treats their users with respect. And and that's what yeah. I think Facebook missed here. It's not what they did so much as how they did it. 
I think it's definitely Facebook's responsibility. If they were going to take the ethical high road to be transparent, to be way more um, engaged with people. So the ethical high road here would have been to serve to 10 million people um, a little post that says, hey, we are going to do a randomized survey about emotions. If you're interested in this, check yes. You might not get served at all. Otherwise, check no. We won't contact you again. That's right. the normal and high ethical road to do. Right. Um, and, I, and I hope that, you know, as, you know, this generation of, you know, programmers and tech people and technical writers, you know, come up seeing these sorts of abuses and these sorts of um, shortcomings or these, even these just ways of doing business, which, you know, some, some of these things are just ways of doing business. Mm -hmm. Um that they will, you know, look at some of those things and say, hey, we should try to do this in a little more open and honest way. Um, and that's definitely, you know, a winning slowly high road sort of thing. Transparency is always going to be, you know, one of our favorite things. <laughs> um, but I also think that, you know, not cynically, but realistically, you know, we need to keep in mind that corporations be corporating and they... Uh, <laughs> They want to make money, and so they are going to do, you know, whatever they can think of. And if you can think of it, they've thought of it already. Um, they're going to do that to make money, like, and that's just a thing. And so that's part of the trade-off that I make with Facebook is that you know I have a thousand friends, have a thousand people I can keep in contact with. Facebook, you know, knows who I'm talking with. That's a real thing, right? It's a trade-off. So. Right. I definitely think that the ethical high road there for users here is, you know, only make the trade-offs you're willing, really yeah. willing to make and be aware of what they are. Yeah, there should there should be, you know, some evaluation there. I know people who aren't on Facebook. They I communicate with them in other ways. Uh do I communicate with them less? Sadly, yes. <laughs> um that's just the way that Facebook has integrated itself into my life. But am I using Facebook less recently? Yeah, it doesn't really do what I want to do very much anymore. So, right. you know, I use it less too. So, you know, I think these are things like we've talked about before that users need to not blindly just use things because they're there, because mm -hmm. the utility is cool, but really think about like, what is this saying about me? Is Google Nest going to let people know when I'm in the house and not <laughs> in the house? Like, this is an important thing to consider. Right. Right. And so, I think holding both of those is where we want to go. You as a user have a responsibility. I as a user have a responsibility to be thinking through those trade-offs and to be thinking through the realities of the technology we use. We can't just take them as though they are neutral because they're not. And I don't necessarily mean ethically neutral, though sometimes there are real ethical costs to using certain technologies, but they're never neutral in the ways they shape our ways of living and the way they shape our our expectations about things going on and Agreed. they're always making requiring us to make trade-offs that we have to evaluate whether we're willing to make or not and at the same time we want to be holding companies to a higher standard we want to say that look guys i know that as a corporation your job is to make money but i'm also darn sure that you can go about doing that in an ethical way rather than an unethical way or even rather right. than a sort of gray not sure if it's ethical way the the right. two are not mutually 
exclusive. And therefore, I want to hold companies with whom I interact, with whom I say, I am willing to make that trade-off. But you better live right. up to your end of it. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a reasonable expectation. Um, and definitely, you know, the teenager years of social media where we currently are at um, are going to be full of those sorts of like action, outrage, action, outrage, action, cheering right. sort of right. sort of mentality. So, you know, I think that's uh, that's a thing that we're going to see consistently. And so I hope that the corporations and, you know, list uh, listeners, uh, users keep both of those high roads in mind. Indeed. So. This has been Season 1, Episode 1 of Winning Slowly. All of our content is licensed under a Creative Commons Attributions license, which means you can basically do whatever you want with this as long as you say you got it from us. Take the high road. The uh, music that starts off the episode is listed below. Um, that is not CC, uh, so give credit to the musician where you will. Until next time, I've been Chris Kreitcho. And I am and will be Stephen Caradini, and thanks for listening.